Hello, listeners, and welcome back to Frontline Fridays, brought to you by Ubik. On this podcast, we sit down with leaders who are inspiring excellence in their frontline teams and learn what they do differently. I'm your host, Ron Thurston, the co-founder of Aussie, where we're transforming retail recruitment with passion and innovative technology. Our mission is to streamline the connection between talented candidates and forward-thinking retailers. You can go to useaussie.com uh, to learn more, and we're currently offering early access to everyone that works in retail to create your digital profile. I'm excited to see you on the platform. But today, we're actually speaking to a leader that I greatly admire and have known for a few years now. Kelly Anderson is the retail director for Acris. Uh, and Kelly and I met in 2021, and I'm going to have her share that story when we get started. But she's known as an influential agent of positive and impactful change. Kelly has spent the last 20 years transforming, evolving, and inspiring the next generation of frontline fashion retailers, including her current role at Acris, um, previously at Montclair, Louis Vuitton, Kenneth Cole, and at Aldo, where it, where it all began for her. With a deep-rooted passion for making a difference, Kelly believes that the future of retail means challenging the status quo and pushing boundaries to remain relevant in an ever-changing market. Dedicating herself to roles across various contemporary and luxury brands have allowed her to create an innovative retail environments characterized by inclusivity, sustainability, and accountability, three words that I love very much. So Kelly, welcome to Frontline Fridays. Thank you for having me, Ron. It's so good to have this space with you. Very fun to have this space. And so you and I, I'm going to have you tell the story of what we met, but we, when I was in New York in January, I, like, you were one of the first people I wanted to make sure that I saw and we sat and had a coffee. And that at that time, about a month ago, I said, I'm going to have Kelly on this show because you have a story to tell and experiences that are uh, really important and unique, and I'm excited to have you tell that story. So take us back to 2021. Just give us a quick, the Ron and Kelly story. Yes. So I was actually, we were, I was at an event. Uh, it was a party for a pop-up event that was taking place. And I remember you came in with a group of people and I was standing in the corner managing the floor. <laughs> I you had this beautiful smile. And I, at some point, walked over to you and introduced myself and we hit it off. And I remember talking to you before you took off to start your yeah. retail pride journey. I remember about the arrow stream and, you know, all of those <laughs> conversations and then your travels across the country and coming back. And I mean, you yourself are inspiring. And anytime I bring your name up, it's the commonality um, that comes up about you. So it was Thank exciting to, to be able to do something with you. Thank you. This is, it's such a pleasure. Uh, so I want to start, as I often do on my own podcast and this show, around accidental or intentional when it comes to your retail career. And you have a great story to tell about this. So tell us where it all began. Did you plan to have this incredible retail career or were there other goals? I did not. This was accidental. <laughs> the plan was originally to study law. I wanted to become a corporate or business attorney. I was studying at York College in Queens. My freshman year, I actually landed two prominent internships. 
uh, for graduating seniors. So ahead of my time, one was at Queen Civil Court with retired Justice Patricia Satterfield, and the other was at St. John's University. My mother had been sick for a couple years at this point, and her health continued to decline, and essentially I was our provider. And so I had had two jobs all through high school, and in college, having two jobs was becoming a little more difficult for me. And I frequently shopped at this Aldo uh, on 17th and 5th Avenue. I believe it's still there. And the manager and I got friendly and just through conversations, organic conversations, I ended up interviewing, I got the job and I started. I still was conflicted in my decision because I really wanted to go forward with that. And I remember speaking to a mentor at the time and he just shared his experience. He actually was teaching grad school at Columbia. And he said, you know, people spend so much of their lives focusing on the things they think they want to do. Focus on what makes you happy now and let it grow from there. And so I dived all the way in and never looked back. <laughs> and when you, you know, the the education you had kind of strategized and already accomplished in those internships, where does that show up in your leadership today? How do you use that to it's my, um, inform your, your communication? It's my ability to negotiate <laughs> the best solution for the team and the business. Uh, a lot of times getting to the end result, the, the vision that the team has versus, you know, what the, the corporate message is. Sometimes it's a little muddled in what it should like look like or what it should feel like. And I think being able to negotiate a balance of what we give and how we give it and reshaping and, and, and shifting the ideas of how the store teams would feel about that outcome or even the other end user, the client, uh, I would say is is mm -hmm. probably where I, 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 I use it the most, the negotiating part. So wow. I take it away definitely from my experience in, in school. Incredible, thank you. I want to jump and uh, give you a, a moment to speak about Acris because not everyone may know or you know, be familiar with the brand and it has a beautiful rich history and female founded so tell us a little bit more about Acris and then we're going to jump into more about you. Yes, Acris was a compelling next step for me in my career. I've always done specialty luxury but I, I wanted to work for a brand that had a heritage and a deep rooted history. And Acris was that. The house was founded by a woman, Alice, over a hundred years ago. And today it is entirely family owned, fashion house out of Switzerland. And it's a global business. Uh, we walk in Paris Fashion Week twice a year. When I joined, there were nine retail boutiques in the US. And by the end of next year, we will have 18, including concessions. And that's incredible. And when I, I look at the evolution of the brand, it always takes me back to Alice. It, she is an example and she is an inspiration. Today, Acris supports a platform called Women with Purpose, where we highlight and celebrate different women in different fields all across the industry. And not only what they're doing incredible in their industry, but also what they're doing outside of their field. And there's more information about this on our socials. So I won't go too far in it, but that is a little bit about Acris. Incredible. And you also do it just a number of events to support also female, um, female empowerment, female like kind of charity events. Yeah. Because I know I've, I've in conversation through the last few years, 
you're often hosting really important charitable causes. Yes. So for us, everything is a partnership. The brand, again, when you, you take it back to its heritage, it started with a woman and what she wanted to put out into the universe. So we're often mm. looking for women that we can work with and really diving in to understand what it is they support and how we can tie that together where it's impactful for us and it's impactful for them. And so there's a lot of time spent in market. Our boutique directors spend a lot of time, including myself, meeting women and meeting different organizations and learning their stories and what inspires them. And then understanding how can we be a part of that is, you know, we've done wonderful things such as hosting fashion fashion shows on estates or, you know, in private clubs and the responses that we get from women that, you know, didn't know we exist and see the fashion and hear the story. They're so inspired. And so again, for us, it really starts a hundred percent. And it's the same for the creative director. It starts with the woman. Incredible. And, and I, what you describe is another layer in the importance of retail and so, you know, this kind of perception often of, you know, it's a business to sell things, yes, but the kind of the layers that are built around this, around how we can support community, how we can build careers, how we can uh, maybe offer financial um, offerings to outside organizations, just all, all of this uh, is is the conversation about pride in our industry. And so you are, you're doing that with a brand you're really proud to work for, I can tell. You can tell that that's how you feel. So congratulations. I wanna jump in just more about you. And, and we think about luxury, uh, the kind of the luxury industry, and it can feel sometimes quite exclusive and it can feel like you may not belong in this for, variety of reasons. And I, I wanted you to just share your experience and how you're um, overcoming some of that perception of, of exclusion um, in luxury. So this is a great question. I actually had this conversation recently. And my only option as a woman of color uh, is to show up and be my authentic self. In most cases, before the conversation begins, I'm prejudged. She wasn't smiling when I glanced over. She must be a, you know what? She speaks to her business too well. She's arrogant. She followed up. She's aggressive. That's a reality and honest truth. It doesn't make it my reality. And to explain all that further, there was a time, you know, when we think of luxury 10, 15 years ago, where colored manicures weren't considered luxurious or statement jewelry was tacky, oversized clothes were too urban. Uh, and my point is, is that people always have an opinion. They'll always label, they'll always judge, and that's on them. And I choose to not be discouraged or let it consume me. I continue to be myself and I encourage everyone else to be themselves. Keep showing up for you every day, pouring into yourself every day, being accountable to yourself every day. Your growth, your results, and your success will inform them in kind that you prejudge me correctly. Wow. And you're, you're a mom. Yes. And so like, how does that show up for your children? because you're, you're setting this kind of standard for what this feels like. Yes, so being a mom for me is, it's 
It's quite interesting right now. I have an 18 year old and I have a two year old and I, <laughs> they require very different things of me, but it also translates to the business. Each business, each market, each experience requires something different from me. And I will say in regards to how I remain relevant, I, there are many ways, but I always tell people this, my daughter, my 18 year old daughter, she holds me accountable to how I look, how I speak, the feedback I give. If she thinks, oh no, you shouldn't have done that. She's honest. And the reality is, is behind me, she is the next generation. So she's relevant. And so I do take her feedback and her opinions and how she feels. I, I take it very seriously. And it's allowed me to, I would say, attract and be able to relate to a generation behind myself because I come home and I, I have to deal with that generation and I have to answer sure. those questions and find solutions around the problems. So I understand why, you know, I, I, I always say I'm in a good place where my mentorship, when I, I started being mentored, it was always, you know, women and men that were older than I was and they had the experience. So I have that. Then I have my experience and now I have her experience. And so it, it makes me well-rounded in terms of engaging with people from all different backgrounds, different talents mm -hmm. and places in life. Mm -hmm. And as you've hired people that are of younger generations and certainly at Montclair, that was you know, a big part of it in your your role in ops and and today, how do you find that balance of how do I connect? I mean, I, I I think about myself the same way. How do I connect with younger generations in a way that is relevant and important and and still use your own personal experience to, to benefit them? How does that show up for you? I think it's about listening. And uh a lot of times, I would say it's listening and it's also my own experience. I have often, uh, people will tell me, oh, you look so much younger than you are. And I, when I was, I was actually 19 when I got my first store and my district manager at the time didn't know that I was only 19. And she had said to me, you know, I don't want you to discuss your age. And it, it, left something in me that, you know, said, okay, it's not okay to be young, that you're judged for it. Although your results are there, although you're showing up and delivering uh, every day, your age hinders you. And, you know, it also goes back to people saying that you need an MBA to be successful, or you need to speak multiple languages to be successful. And so I went through a lot of the challenges, even still today, that they are going through. So it allows me to authentically understand what they're going through, but also understand that this is our job. And for me, it's my career. And I always say this to people. If this is something that you love to do, we have to find workarounds because there are always going to be challenges. Nothing is easy. Uh, but we're not neurosurgeons. Uh, you know, someone's life is not in our hands. So how do we find small wins? And I think me being able to find small wins to celebrate someone the way that they want to be celebrated, not the way that I want to celebrate them, mm -hmm. but in the way that they will receive and hear it. And coaching and giving someone feedback in a way that they will receive it, uh, not necessarily the way that I want to give it, but being accountable mm -hmm. to them. And so I think because I 
I've had to be aware of myself. And it wasn't easy getting here to the space that I am now in my management mm -hmm. style, but because I've always had to hold myself accountable to being aware, I am very conscious of the feelings of our industry. And so I, I think that allows me to relate something that I get from the sales team a lot is you are just so authentic. Like we see it and we feel it and we mm -hmm. hear it. And it allows them to, to show up differently because they know that I actually do understand. I come from the stores. I was there. Yeah, yeah. Right. right. And you, because of that, can be really relevant in, in the conversations you're having because you experience the same feelings. And that, that can be a, a, the feelings about a lot of different things. But I think all of us that come from the field have a different um kind of depth of understanding of the daily challenge that goes into that. And some of that, you know, straightforwardly is about dealing with the general public as strangers. And that's not easy always. Sometimes it's fun and sometimes it's not. And so it's also coaching the ability to be able to kind of brush it off and get back out on the floor. And I just, you know, you, you learn that over time and you've, it sounds like you've been able to teach that and inspire people to be their best all the time. So thank you for that. I wanted, because, you know, we, this show is about frontline Fridays and about celebrating the frontline, but the, that really comes through great partnerships with everybody in an organization. Every part of a brand uh, is about supporting the field where possible. So what, as you think about the industry and your experience and the brands you've worked for, where where are we winning in this in supporting the field? And where do you see that we still have work to do? I would say in terms of winning, the industry has evolved so much in terms of the assortment and services that we are now able to offer to clients. Mm. Uh, when you, going back to what I said earlier, when you really look at things of how, you know, store uniforms are now and how people can come to work with their hair, when I started, your hair was pulled back, <laughs> you know, away from your face and your nails were neutral. Our industry has evolved where it's now producing products for the modern world today and what they want today. It's in a space which I think is beautiful where the industry is no longer telling us what we want to wear, uh, but they're actually producing the things that we want to wear. They're hearing us. And so I think that is the thing that is done extremely well. I think the opportunity remains is, how does that translate into our teams? A lot of times the ideas and the policies and the procedures are, are coming from a dated space of this has been the way we've done it for the last 30 years. But if we look at the present, the market isn't the same as it was 30 years ago. We have more female CEOs, executives in their 30s than we've ever had in history. We've had more people of color, more people, period, coming into millions uh, at a younger age than ever. So the market is changing. And what that means is if the consumer is changing, that also means that the experience in store is changing. So we have to do a better job on how we're holding ourselves accountable for our internal clients, because they're 
and responsible for giving the same experience to our external climate. And so I think that is the biggest opportunity uh, as a, a market is how do we innovate our ideas. You know, I can say, I can tell someone, oh, this is the, the revenue of a business that I've driven. Uh, this is the market that I've overseen. And I could be the best candidate and they will still say, oh, well, you know, we want someone with twice more revenue than that. But this is also why brands themselves are finding themselves in these challenges that they're in, because they're innovating the product. They're not innovating the thought process. And yeah. so I think that that is where we need to challenge ourselves differently. Absolutely. Could not agree more. And it, the end result are things like high turnover rates and kind of lack of job satisfaction and you know, when sometimes you see reporting that comes out that you know, eighty percent of everyone that works in retail is looking for a new job, I find that suspicious. Yet I see that, and it's very, um, it's very, um, it's upsetting to, to be honest to me because there is no reason why we'd have to say a large population of people that work in our industry should be looking for other work because we have the resources and the tools and the knowledge to make every brand a great place to work. It's a choice and it's an investment that you make. And I think we can do better very often uh, and encourage things that you're supporting, listening, learning, taking action. Um, you know, a, store, a, a week of store visits should result in action. You know, not just, uh, oh my gosh, I loved the field, but I've heard the field. This, these are consistent thing, themes I've heard. And this is the action that we're taking based on what I've learned. That's that's leadership at the corporate level. No, I, I couldn't agree more. But it's also, you know, it's where we were challenged. And again, me having this authentic conversation with you and this audience, this is a conversation I have with, you know, my managers and I have with associates that I've mentored. And it's also why people relate to me, because one thing that I won't stop doing is pushing forward for that. I believe that our industry is an opportunity to work in a space where you get to be yourself at this point. I have traveled the world. I have made friends internationally and going into law may not have given me that, but retail did. It's, it's given me this energy, this youthfulness that I'll be able to carry on. And so for me, it's about how do I fight to get the industry to see that we have to show up a little differently. We can get better results. We can retain our talent. We can grow our business. Those KPIs that we want, they're attainable without pushing it down someone's throat. Uh, you know, you can make someone feel good about being coached. And again, my experience has led me to that. And even in one of my touch bases this week, I said to two of my, my leaders, I said, this year we're going to be accountable and we're going to show up. And that's what we're going to do. And so for me, and I know for the generation behind me, they just want to feel like they have a brand that is accountable and shows up for them. Mm -hmm. And accountability goes both ways. Yes, it does. Yes, so, it does. Yeah. <laughs> so this is, you know, the, the perception, <laughs> perception sure could does. be bottom up accountability. And I think it's, it's top down for a lot of, a lot of brands that have not chosen that path or held them held themselves accountable. So thank thank you for charging forward and and thinking about ways to do that. 
at the industry level. How has that, as you've moved from from running, being a, a store, running a store to leading a field team, um, how has how has that been a different way to influence from the top down, maybe from the bottom up, and that accountability? How has that changed for you? When you're in a store and you're showing up to this store five days a week, you're able to impact very differently. You get to know people. Uh, you get to know their dry sense of humor, which I definitely have. Uh, <laughs> uh, you get to know, you know, their their quirks and their quirks and all of those different things because you're together every day. And I would say when I got promoted the first time into the corporate uh office, that was probably the biggest transition for me is I had been working with a group of individuals that I was showing up to every day and they were showing up. I, I knew what to do to drive them. I knew how to immediately celebrate them. I knew exactly how to coach them and feed, give them feedback in the moment because we were together every day. And, you know, in a sense, you create this extend, extended family situation because you're together every day. When you're in corporate, it is the opposite. And a lot of times in corporate roles, the vision from HQ is you should be getting out and being in the field and getting to know your teams. But the reality is, is it doesn't happen that often. And so when you're managing, you think you can manage the same, but you can't. And so I've had to fall on my face a couple times uh, to learn and even today, I'm still learning every person, every business is different at, at different stages. But I would say now it's more about really what is the global message? What is the global vision? All of my decisions, all of my choices is not to just impact and to grow and inspire ACRIS in the U.S. It's globally. So it's always how do we hold ourselves accountable to a larger message? And I had to learn that differently being in a corporate role versus, you know, in your store, you have just a few list of KPIs that you're responsible for. <laughs> and if something goes wrong, you know, you're, it's, it's a small mess up, but this in a corporate role is at a larger level. So for me, it's important when I am traveling in market, and I actually do spend a lot of time in market. And it is because I, I believe that it's important for me, not only to get to know my directors, but their teams. Mm -hmm. Last year, and even this year, I have conversations with them. But one of the things I did last year, we had a really great year, is I personally called up every single book that broke a million dollars. I wanted to know how they got there, what you know we did to support them in that, and what I could do differently in the new year to support them further, and what they felt was missing. And for me, it's those things, I think, at a corporate level that we need to do more in an organic way, not once a year, because you're not going to get the full message, but doing it, dripping it over and over. So you can actually understand like, oh, actually, if I did this here, I could get this result a lot quicker. Mm -hmm. Or if we switch this procedure or this thought process, mm -hmm. actually get this result a lot quicker. So I would say for me, transitioning from store to, to corporate, it's really you're impacting at a larger level. A lot of times people don't get to know your dark sense of humor or, you know, right. that you're, you may not be smiling, but you're smiling or your quietness isn't to offend them. You're just socially awkward. They know that, but at a corporate level, they don't. So how yeah. do you yourself and reinvent yourself so that again you're relevant you're approachable you're compassionate and you're present for the people that are in front of you wow 
I mean, that that's very powerful. And you're, you're demonstrating what success looks like here and how to be, and your role is about influencing up and down and across and every part of, of your business, your part of the industry is really centered on your influence here. And I don't know that, um, we think about it as being so influential, but that that store, that director of stores role is the one that has the greatest impact on the success of the business. I believe that to be very true as someone that's held that role. Much of everything has to come through you. And that is a great responsibility. And I know because you said it, you're in stores all the time. Every time I speak to you, you been traveling, just got back to travel, about to go travel. And, but that's how you do it. That's why you've had the success that you've had because you've made that personal choice to spend as much time as you can in the field and demonstrate what that looks like. I just want to shout that out to you because it's admirable. It's admirable. I want to just, we have a couple minutes left. So I just wanted to just kind of wrap this up. You know, as we think about next generation, we talk about well being and about being, um, you know, thoughtful about career choices and how you balance some of that. So the, the travel, being a mom, being successful, a businesswoman, what does that balance look like for you? I'm still working on that. <laughs> but, <laughs> but what Always. I would say is, you know, in your, your 20s, you don't understand the importance of the things that are really important. And that's okay. That's a part of life. And so mm-hmm. you're willing to sacrifice things at a different level because you don't know, you know, like, oh my gosh, I'm going to miss out on seeing my parents or, you know, spending time with my my kids. And I'm in a space in my life where actually the most important thing to me above all else is my children and my family. And mm-hmm. so I would never put myself in a position where I'm compromising my mental health for their happiness. And so nothing in my role is easy. Nothing about my job is easy. And that's anywhere in any field, in anything that you do. But the balance for me is above all else, my family comes first. And so when I think that is first, everything from there trickles. And of course, I, yeah, yes, I'm on the road a lot. <laughs> that is true. <laughs> There's a balance to it. Um, thankfully, my oldest is, you know, in college, so it's a little different. Um, but with my little one, it's it's really just when I'm traveling, I'm traveling. And when I'm working, I'm at work. And when I'm home, making sure that I tend to those things, because that's where my push really comes from. It's from the love and nurturing of my. Mm. Mm. Well, this has been a joy. And I I knew that other people needed to hear your story that maybe don't know you personally or haven't experienced your incredible leadership. So thank you for being on the show. It was really, I'm I'm honored to be your friend. It's really incredible. Thank you, Pleasure. I am honored to have you. Thank you. Thank you. It was great. Uh, So, To our listeners, uh, keep learning and inspiring. I will be back in two weeks on February 23rd with another incredible guest named Laura Ravo, who is the author of the book, The Power of Grit and Grace, A Woman's Journey to Putting the Heart Back into Retail Leadership. I'm a huge fan of this book and um, can't wait to dig in with Laura on that. Be sure to follow Ubik on LinkedIn for the show schedule and the links. 
Um, if you're on the hunt for communication, micro learning, task management tools um, to guide your frontline teams into the future, check out what Ubic can do. Uh, just click the link below in the comments uh, here on LinkedIn and have a great weekend, everybody. And thanks again, Kelly. Thank you, everyone. Thank you. Thank you, everyone.